God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have you ever had one of those days when you feel dirty? I call it being icky sticky. But the dirty I'm talking about is not because you've been working hard in the dust or dirt, but because you've walked away from God and sinned. Your heart feels dirty from guilt and shame. You feel stained, but it's in your brain. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he came to take away our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You do not have to carry the guilt of failure and sin. You may have acted like the prodigal son or daughter and taken your inheritance and walked away from the father. But remember, the father forgave the prodigal and received them back into the family. If you're feeling dirty and disconnected from God because of sin, today's episode will help you return. Give a listen. There are times in our lives where our feelings can paint a dark reality. Those feelings can at times tear us down. But if our conscience is not asleep at other times, Our feelings can cause repentance that turns us back towards God. That feeling or emotion is called godly sorrow. In this episode, I'm not trying to condemn anyone or point fingers, but help us come to an honest estimate of our lives. Fortunately, we have an awesome, forgiving God that doesn't want to hurt us. He actually is always at work trying to help us. His intent is that we look and act like his son, Jesus. According to Romans 8.29, he's predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. When we finally come to ourselves, as the prodigal son finally did one day, and realize we're living in hog country instead of in the king's palace, we see how dirty we are, but realize how clean we have been made. It is because of the cleansing blood of Jesus that we can manifest being unstained. In the world, I was broken pieces of glass, shattered and scattered on the ground. No beauty in my life could be found. But the artist of life heard my cry, and for a new life for me he died. Gathering the pieces of my heart, he made me a masterpiece of art. In my broken pieces, his love releases the power to make me whole. From my dead heart, he pulled the darts and brought me back to life. Now a masterpiece, a work of art. In his mercy, I have a new start. I am his unstained glass window of love. Cleansed by his blood, the colors of this world fade. In his image, I am made. Hues of love and grace and peace are the colors he gives. And in his mercy and power, I now live. Held together by his truth, my innocence is renewed as a youth. In my broken pieces, his love releases the power to make me whole. From my dead heart, he pulled the darts and brought me back to life. Now a masterpiece, a work of art. In his mercy, I have a new start. I am an unstained glass window of his love. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. My heart is at peace. I am unstained. I am unstained. Forever 
his love remains. I will never tire of reading the parable of the prodigal son, but a better name for it is the parable of the forgiving father. The end of the story is reconciliation because the father forgives his wayward son. That's the point that we should emphasize and remember. All too often the world reminds us that we have turned away from God. First, the world entices us to turn away and then condemns us when we've gone astray. When God calls us back to himself, once we have confessed and repented, he and the angels of heaven rejoice. Then lifts us up and cleans us up as the forgiving father did for the prodigal son. God does not want to exclude us from his family. The forgiving father actually threw a party to celebrate the prodigal son's return. He is ever endeavoring to keep us near to him. Consider what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm very thankful that God chose to identify himself in this verse as the God of peace and not the God of wrath and judgment. That right there should be an indication of his intention towards us. Then verse 21 says that he is going to make us perfect or mended or repaired in every good work to do his will. At times we have the wrong mindset or the wrong identity that stains us. Due to the things that have happened to us or things that we have done ourselves, we carry the pain of that stain, that shame and guilt. In this verse, it shows God wants to fix what's wrong so that we are able to do his will. Then the verse continues that he is working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He is at work in your heart. He is not manipulating you. He is drawing you close to himself. And as we turn to him, he turns towards us. He is always looking towards us to help. This so reminds me of what the forgiving father did for the prodigal son. He was looking for him afar off. The action of the prodigal son of coming home is an act of repentance. We need to get honest with ourselves when we turn away from God. And turning away from God can be as simple as walking in worry or fear or unbelief. We look to the things of the world to be our sufficiency, or we look to the things of the world to bring us peace. These things can take us away from God. So we need to sometimes turn around and go back home. And as the prodigal son experienced, the father was waiting and looking for him to return. Your heavenly father is waiting for you to return if you have strayed. The prodigal son had this long speech prepared about how he had sinned against his father in heaven and was no longer worthy to be called his son. That is an act of confession. But the father interrupts him. He calls for his servants to bring out new clothes and a signet ring and new shoes. The father not only forgives him, but restores him into the family with authority. We are always children of God and cannot lose that identity. 
we must remember to live as who we are as children of the Most High God. We must remember to live as royalty. Unfortunately, we sometimes forget we are his beloved children in whom he is well pleased. Now let's look back at verse 20 of Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. As I mentioned before, God identifies himself as the God of peace here. Then he reminds us that he is the powerful one that raised Jesus from the dead. Then he gives Jesus props for being the great shepherd of the sheep, and then says, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He does it through the blood. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us. It is the blood of Christ that washes us and brings us into the presence of the Father. Then in verse 21, it reiterates this when it says at the end of the verse, through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. And that includes yours and mine. Your father identifies himself as the God of peace. I keep coming back to this because it's a big point. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told here that we are justified by faith, which is the opposite of works. The children of Israel had the painful responsibility to endeavor to fulfill 614 commandments. And as we read the Old Testament, we see their absolute failure, for the most part, to do so. Then the Father sent Jesus to be our Savior. That's when we all said, Hallelujah! And because we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have peace with the God of peace. This peace that we have with God is not through our works, but through the work of Jesus Christ. The simple thing we do is believe. We say yes to the promises of God. We also do need to say yes to the commandments of God, which are to love him and to love others as Jesus loved. That's not being religious. That's living in a relationship of love. Religion complicates things, but relationship keeps things simple. When you come to that great moment of truth, that your Father loves you unconditionally, nothing else matters. And so life is simple. Religion is performance-based. Religion keeps record of our sin. Religion reminds you that you are stained. Or as the old Puritan tradition practiced, the wearing of the scarlet letter and public humiliation of all sorts. The way God deals with our sin is very different, to say the least. It is spoken of in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's an old bumper sticker I read once that said, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. 
When you look back at the amount of work the children of Israel had to do to be clean before God, you become very thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Take some time and read the book of Hebrews, particularly chapters 8 through 10. The children of Israel had to do sacrifices repeatedly, but Jesus is our one-time sacrifice for sin. Unfortunately, because we live in a fallen world, we sometimes fall again ourselves. But we don't have to stay there. The Holy Spirit is within us to strengthen us to do the will of God. And as I said before, God is not trying to exclude us. He does not want to embarrass us, but he wants to draw us near and help us walk with him. The Father sent Jesus to be our Savior and reconcile us to himself. The Father has made Jesus the way back into his presence. The Father asked Jesus to be the payment for sin so that we could be reunited with the Father in a family setting. Do not let the sins of your past linger and stay in your life. The Father awaits for you to come back home. There are two sections of scriptures in the Gospels that show the need for forgiveness in our lives. If others offend us, we are to forgive them. We see that in these verses, starting in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until 70 times 7. Yikes. So you have to forgive somebody 490 times? Well, actually, it's a figure of speech, a hyperbole, meaning you must always forgive. Then there's Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother transgress against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he transgress against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. This one definitely would test anyone's patience with a so-called brother. He transgresses against you seven times in a day and then repents, and we have to forgive him? And Jesus didn't make a note that his repentance was false. Jesus said this as a statement of fact. And so he said, you have to forgive him. If we have to forgive people who act like this against us, God would be unjust to do anything less. He cannot hold us to a higher standard than himself. He must forgive us if we mess up seven times in a day and then turn and really repent. This definitely brings peace to our hearts when we struggle with certain sins in our life. Our Father is gracious and merciful and forgiving. Jesus, our Savior, is the same. His blood cleanses us. We are not stained. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool.